Are you ready to perform at your highest potential? Welcome to the Performance Matters Podcast from GP Strategies. In each episode, we'll interview industry experts, exploring best practices and innovative insights to help you and your organization improve performance. I'm your host, Jeremy Shear. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My guest today is Matt Donovan, Chief Learning and Innovation Officer at GP Strategies, and he's here to talk about tips for virtual learning. Matt, welcome back to the show. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So in an article you wrote for Training Industry, you offer tips for virtual learning, which I think are probably especially valuable for the many people who are suddenly having to do all of their learning remotely and in isolation. So let's get into the tips. Uh, Your first tip is to be proactive, meaning instead of waiting until you find that you suddenly need to know something, that you should map your learning needs ahead of time. So why is that important and what does that look like in practice? Well, I think the thing is, especially with what we're experiencing right now under under the new normal, under the COVID-19 that we're facing, a lot of us have become what I would say is intensely virtual. And so I think, you know, the first wave of this is kind of coming in and we're reacting to a lot of the new normal and, and just really responding to some of the changes. And I think it's now more than ever where we actually need to be thoughtful about planning and working into our daily activities, how we're going to start to manage our learning activities. And it's not just responding to the immediate abrupt changes that we're dealing with, but also the long term growth that we need to have to be successful in the new normal. So taking time thinking about your learning goals over time, not trying to tackle it all at once, but how do you spread it out over time, chewing away at it in small bits and bites throughout the time, finding space in your physical location where you can think, reflect, consume, but again, working through some smaller chunks of, of content, but working that into an overall plan. Okay. And so what's a specific example of what that might look like? So, uh, for example, one of the things that I know that I've been working on recently is the concept of of really going deeper in the area of emotional intelligence uh, or emotional quotient, as some folks talk about it. And and it really was something I was working on before. I know we're creating uh, courses and learning experiences for our partners on this, but it's something I wanted to brush up for myself as well. And the thing about you know emotional intelligence is it, it's as much as a mindset as it is a set of skills, practices, or activities. And it's something that because it is a mindset, it takes time uh, to be able to think and reflect over a period of time. So being able to create for myself a plan and how I'm going to actually practice, learn more about that mindset, implement it into my daily activities, expand and learn a little bit more, try it out gain some feedback from others, um, go and say, hey, how do I improve on this? Maybe setting up some opportunities for coaching or mentoring around that. So rather than just trying to go out and take a three-hour you know, web course on emotional intelligence, how do I structure it in my daily work schedule as part of my regular schedule to learn a little bit more about it, uh, apply it, and think and reflect over time? Okay. And you know, given that so many people are working at home, it's possible that maybe people even have a little bit more time to take out a few moments and map out your learning needs in that way. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely part of it where you have it. But here's the, the odd thing that we've seen in some of the conversations I've had folks is that they also, you know, with the uncertainty of, you know, when this may end or not knowing when we'll get back to a new normal or change it back in the 
the day, the question gets into how will we be able to, um, I think, make time and not put it off. I, I think we always think that, hey, there's going to be more time, you know, within this, uh, you know, sheltering in place. I'll always have time to do it for tomorrow. I think it's the same practice as we talk about working from home. You, you set set a structure. You get up. You do the daily habits. You shower. Uh, you eat breakfast. You do your normal schedule. Even though you're working from home now, you put yourself in a structure and learning needs to wrap around that structure as well. Your next tip is to expand your virtual learning network. And again, just what do you mean by that? And what, what can that look like? What's a good example of how that works? Well, I think a lot of us are really looking at, you know, more formal ways in which we're picking up information. Uh, how would I attend, a, you know, a face-to-face learning session? Maybe how will I uh, come to a meeting and learn from others as I'm going? But when you move to a virtual strategy, you really need to think about when, where, and how you're going to get your sources for learning. And I often use a structure thinking about the five moments of learning need to help me think through that. You know, when am I trying to learn something? for the first time? When am I trying to learn a little bit more about that? When am I trying to apply it? And when something goes wrong or something changes? And for me personally, each one of those moments of learning need means that I need to find a different type of potential resource to help me do that. So for example, when we talk about emotional intelligence. I may learn about it for the first time. I may download and look at some articles. I may read a book on the topic. Uh, but when I go out to try and apply it, I may also want to set up a coaching or a mentoring opportunity. Or I may want to be able to go out and look at an application you know, community where they're looking at uh, an emotional intelligence practice community where they may actually, in an organization, look at refining the skill sets and how would you work through that. So the idea here is that thinking about your overall learning network where will you find the range of solutions to help you meet your specific moments of learning need and i think in a connected sense you suggest also to connect with learning communities so what sorts of communities do you mean first of all and how can people go about finding them when you're isolated at home well, I think uh, immunities of practice are probably one of the most dynamic resources that are out there and finding a good one that's going to meet your needs. So, for example, let's say I want to be part of an agile practitioners community. So I'm going to work on some projects that are employing an agile methodology. Um, I want to be able to find a group of practitioners where I can talk with others and learn about best practices, tips, um, ways that are going to help support me in my application of that. So finding the right community that's going to help me with my needs. Uh, for example, you may find a couple different communities, but the idea is to really focus on finding the right community that meets it. So for example, if we're focusing on safe agile versus another type of agile, it's important that I've got the right community and the right application support for where I'm, I'm going to be looking to apply my in my job or my work. When you talk about learning communities, do you mean anything from like LinkedIn to Facebook or something more specific than that? No, I think actually more specific. So that can be external. So you can definitely look at mm -hmm. groups within Facebook. LinkedIn has several, I believe, communities of practice that are out there. But you can also find them within the work organizations as well. Uh, there are also industry groups that will set them up as well. So, uh, for example, out there in the um, industry space, there are several uh, practitioner groups on Agile, for example, that may be even outside of LinkedIn or Facebook or connecting in those places. But what you're 
bringing up is a really good point with there are so many places where people can come together, collaborate, socially connect. You're going to need to explore and look at a whole range of those to kind of find one that's going to fit for you. And then when you do, you know, and I think it kind of tees up the next tip we come into is once you get and find that right community, you're going to need to participate. You're going to need to pull yourself into it. You should definitely have a voice, you know, engage, interact with it, become a part of that community because that's going to help you draw into it. Right. And and that segues into your next tip, which is sharing expertise. So not only learning from others, but also helping them learn. And so, so why is that a valuable thing to do? Yeah, and I think sometimes folks think that the only time that I have something value is if I'm absolutely a seasoned expert. And actually, there are many valuable perspectives around this. So, for example, when I'm a new member to a community, one of the things I actually find very helpful is the perspective of those that have just recently gone through what I'm dealing with or those that are actually maybe dealing with the same challenge I am. So not only like the seasoned expert for several years, but maybe somebody who's six months into the same journey that I'm on. On having them help and share with me insights about hey when I first started out this was really helpful and knowing that you have a, a value and your observations your insights as to what helped you with your journey what resonated with you what really helped you apply and grow and, and add to that that's really important so it's not just the seasoned experts that that have a voice it's actually a whole range of voices and within that, when you find all those range of voices, you want to be able to find the ones that resonate with you. Mm -hmm. And some of the folks that may have supported you earlier in your journey, you may be switch and add into. So as you become a more proficient expert, you may move from those, you know, recent uh, immigrants to the group, the ones that are coming into the to this, to actually a smaller, tighter knit group of seasoned professionals who are sharing deeper ap application case studies. Yeah. So now. I think most of us are some combination of worried, confused, scared, maybe bored. But you say that remote learners should also be and, and remain curious. So, so what do you mean? Why is it important to be curious at this time? Yeah, I think this gets kind of back to when we were talking about planning and some of that. And I said, you know, right now with what we're seeing is we're in that maybe reactionary, a little bit of that overwhelmed. And, and we start to go back into, I think I need to do this or I think I need to do that. And it's it's purely reactionary. And sometimes we forget that some of our most innovative and growth moments are not only out of meeting that immediate pain point, but as we're thinking about how we can get better, asking why it has to be this way, adding new insights and bringing things into it. So taking time to allow yourself beyond the immediate you know, responsiveness of having to learn something right now, crafting time for you to stop, reflect, ask why outside of that immediate knee-jerk reaction. I've got to know an answer right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know I've experienced this, and I, I bet many listeners have too, that you can look at the situation that we're all in right now as a burden, and it certainly is, that places a lot of limits on everybody, but it also raises new opportunities and kind of forces you to be innovative, right, to be curious when it comes to everything from just how you communicate with other people to how you organize your day and so on. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's about being the disciplined learner, um, making it part of your everyday activities, being structured as you're transitioning to uh, your virtual nature uh, of what you're you know, collaborating and working and learning with each other. It's it's may have not been a natural state. That's why it takes time and energy to be disciplined within that. 
which I think really kind of tees up, you know, one of the, the key points that I talk about, which is really about being patient. And this mm -hmm. is with yourself, your peers, you know, when we're all experiencing something like this, it's a significant shift into, like I said, an intensely virtual experience. This is going to be a new skill set. It's going to take time to get good at this. And I think it's like every day is an opportunity to get better at it. Every day is an opportunity to, you know, practice or refine your structure, bring the discipline you need to be able to become better at this. And having patience with ourselves, our peers, that, that's got to be part of this because it is more of a marathon than a sprint. There is, you yeah. know, we, we, we will move beyond the concept of surviving in a virtual environment into thriving in a virtual environment. And a lot of the tips I'm talking about here are really built for that long-term thrive. And that's why you've got mm -hmm. to start from right now to put in place those practices or activities that will give you that disciplined long-term return. Yeah, and I think that's even more important given that right now we're just dealing with a lot of uncertainty, right? Not only are we getting used to doing things in new ways, but we don't know when this is going to end and what's going to come afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that what I do know is, is that we will be increasingly virtual. We will not automatically go back to completely the way we were with full face-to-face. -face. I mean, we will still have face-to-face -face interactions in the future. I mean, that that's not going to go away with humans. We will want to be with each other. We want to see each other. But I think what's going to happen is we're going to use that time differently. It is some of the most valuable resource intensive, but the most valuable time we have, and we want to make the most out of it. So if we can think about how we blend in our virtual with our face-to-face -face experiences, getting the most out of you know, that face-to-face, -face, it will require us to be better disciplined, better structured virtual learners. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Matt, what's the main thing you want folks to take away from this episode? Wow. I mean, I think that, you know, as we're moving into this, even if you've been, you know, working remote and you've been doing some virtual learning, we are all experiencing a shift in our experiences. And I think now more than ever is the time to kind of recommit to, you know, practicing good learning behaviors where you're taking accountability for your learning journey, having a plan and and working through that with small micro actions, micro commitments over time to really build out your virtual learning expertise. Okay, great. Well, Matt, thanks a lot for sharing those tips. Thanks for having me here. And to all our listeners, we hope you're staying well and staying safe. And thanks for listening. The Performance Matters Podcast is brought to you by GP Strategies. Together, we can create a world where business excellence makes possibilities achievable. You can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts and listen on our website at gpstrategies.com slash podcasts.